dear, Yuffie. I'm sorry it took us so long. No, it's all right. Your Highness, shall we keep hmm? to the schedule? Oh, right. <sighs> Major Suzaku Kururugi, you're under arrest for violation of military regulations. Uh, what's the meaning of this? Major Kururugi's my knight. You can't do... This is something I can take care of later. For now, let them be. Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam Gaiden, Sunrise's Gilligan's Island. My name is Jeremy. I'm Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach died in the corner. I warned you. I thought I had overhyped the joke. No, that was pretty good. Uh, no, it was it was, it was it was one of those building things. Like because you said that, the and then Tyler kind of chuckled. Well, and, and the then, more you think about it, the stupider it is. And, and, I and then it. I had like the delay and got to think about. It. Uh, my name is Zach. Sunrise is Gilligan. <laughs> Uh, Apparently, it's like some kind of mystic island that transports between worlds because it's in everything. Yeah. The same island. Yeah, it looks very similar. So, if this is your first episode, welcome to the podcast. Normally, we watch Gundam, but we're taking a little break between Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny because Zach and I are trying to put it off as long as we can. I'm excited for that first episode. That first episode has is baller. The first couple episodes are not terrible. But then you get later on into the series and you're like, didn't I just watch a clip episode? The weird thing is it's like it goes up. It's like the plane tilts up or like the, not the like airplane, but the like incline plane you're on and you start sliding back. It's like like being on a roller coaster, but it doesn't have enough juice to get over the hill. And so you get stuck there. And then instead of actually sending you over the hill, when they actually fix it, they just kind of bring it back to the station. I like Jeremy's analogy. And, and you're like, why did I get on this anyway? Uh, so we are going to be doing a Gundam Seed wrap-up episode. So if you have any questions for us, any mobile suits you think we should rank that we didn't, please send them to us, Gundam at lasttimeonvideogames.com. Leave a comment on this episode on our website, lastpodcast.com, or post in our Discord. Maybe we'll make a special channel just to solicit questions if we remember. And also future. remember to post anything we got wrong. They do we, that anyway. Yeah, I know. They do that anyway. Yeah, um, Ryan's pretty good about that. Any kind of other things, like if you think we should do something else, if you've got another suggestion for something silly for us to do on like an off day or something. Uh, but before we get to that, we are going to watch three different Sunrise series that have episodes inspired by the Gundam Seed episode War for Two and with Atherton and Kigali are on a sex island. Well, <laughs> we're not going to watch the full series. We're just going to watch the yeah. one episode. Yeah. Just, just to make sure we're clear, we're not watching in the entire series, although... I would definitely do a podcast talking about the entire series of all of these. I, but even Buddy Complex. Yes, because you know we have to acknowledge when something crashes and burns. It's well, like it's fair. the same reason we're doing Destiny, basically. Yeah, that's true. So first up, we're going to be doing these series in the order they were released. Also, all three of us have seen the first one we're going to be doing. Zach and I have seen the second one we've been doing, and Zach alone has seen the third one. I did play a Super Robot Wars game that had most of the plot of it, though. They weren't, <laughs> like, that wasn't intended. That's just kind of how it turned out after it, we went through, like, when they released. It is Quinci- very convenient. Well, coincidentally, it's also in order of how long they all are. So we threatened to make Zach do the recaps roll. Oh, we're going to, but first we have to reveal what we're... Uh, go on, finish your point. Oh, no, I was going to say, but maybe we could do it in uh, descending order of, like, people who have watched it. 
Um, I could do the first one. You could do the second one, and Zach could do the last one. We or could we could just that. make Zach do all of them. I was going which to say, but which seems more entertaining to you? Yeah, no, <laughs> you that's doing a good point. The ca- <laughs> that's a good point. I was just trying to. I would really highly emphasize the high school cat episode of Code Geass. Uh, that's yeah. all I'm saying. So we're, let's stop burying the lead. The first one we're doing is Code Geass, a series that's incredibly Gundam Seed inspired, in part because it was released very shortly after. Uh, yeah, like a year or two, right? It's a. The, a year after Destiny. It's the first series impacted by Sunrise's No, you only get 25 episodes and we'll give you another 25 if you seem to have your shit together that they passed after Destiny was kind of a cluster not only in audience reception but in production. And uh, it actually managed it, although it did take a long time for the second half of it to actually release on DVD. Like, actually hit physical media. It took a long time for R2 to come out. So Code Geass is not a Gundam series, but it's the most Gundam-like of all the ones we're going to be doing. It's got a ton of Gundam DNA, specifically Gundam Seed, but it's also got some other Gundam stuff in it as well. But it's also yep. got some, like, high fantasy elements going on. And yeah, ca- there are spiritual power special powers in Code Geass. And the character designs seem very Gundam Seed reminiscent to me, probably because they had just won a ton of awards, and a lot of series were kind of copying them. But they're also done by Clamp who you probably know best as yeah. those people who made Cardcaptor Sakura. Also, XXholic. They do clean. I actually have no idea who they are. They designed the characters for Kogias. Okay, that uh, makes sense. The, the, like, long, thin character design is kind of... A clamp their, thing? It's a clamp thing. Okay. It's also a Gundam Z Destiny thing. There's a very morbid de- uh, essay talking about all the weight the characters lost between <laughs> Gundam Seed and Destiny, and how terribly underweight they are, and how Lacus Klein and Kigali are probably dead of malnutrition, and Atherin and Kira aren't doing much better. <laughs> oh, man. We definitely need to find a link to that article at some point. That oh, sounds wow. amazing. That's how you grow up, right? You become a slightly older team by starving yourself to death. Yep. Especially if you already are in a steady relationship. <laughs> That's exactly how that works, right? <laughs> you get in a relationship, you lose 30 to 40 pounds. So just up front, if you're a Gundam fan at all, I would recommend Code Geass. Zach likes it a lot more than me. Especially if you're a Gundam Seed fan, though. It hits a lot of the same notes. A lot of the things that are good about one are good about the other. Code Geass um, is one of my personal, like, favorites of all time, so... You know, Zach had tried to get me to watch this series for years until he just finally handed me his old DVD set when he bought the Blu-ray, and it's pretty good. The one thing I will say is I don't think the mech stuff is great. No. The early mech stuff is pretty solid, but it kind of, like, gets lame for a while, and then it gets better again at the end. It's not necessarily a criticism from me, but if you're a big Gundam guy, that's kind of a draw. And, and it also the... kind of depends on your... Like, because the mechs are kind of a certain like they don't fly really now i'm in the i'm into this show for the glorious bastard moments oh he that they're they're great i like some of the mech moments i like the design of a lot of their mechs but... i mean you've probably seen code Geass. i think it's been like the number one series on my anime list forever um but it's got a ton of zeitgeisty stuff it's got a ton of death note in there and it came out right when death note was popular we talked about the gundam seed it's got it it's got a lot of high school anime trope stuff it's got a lot going on actually it's it's all over the place. It, it's amazing that it feels so cohesive. I yeah, guess. given how many disparate elements it's drawing from. So now that we've recommended it, Zach, explain for the people what's going on up till now. Episode nineteen, uh, Island of the Gods, which you could roll, which you can watch on Funimation.com if you have a subscription to them. Can you? Yeah. Uh, not on Crunchyroll anymore. That's where I watched it a year ago, but Funimation has reclaimed it. I didn't actually, you know, look into it and see if there was actually that. Um, that makes sense though, because they. Split their partnership. So, in up to this point, we have 
Lelouch, who is the main character, who has gained special powers to make anybody do what he wants, one time, so long as he has direct eye contact with them. Uh, he has been steadily going head-to-head and trying to destroy the empire of his father because he doesn't like the empire and wants to find out who killed his mother. And he's been constantly harassed and plagued by a guy in a white mech who he just very recently figured out was his best friend from childhood. And in an effort to save said friend, he has been he trapped him and was blown to this island by lasers. Oh, you miss out on like there's a there's a his blind sister, the fact that he's a goddamn genius, his witch who looks surprisingly like Lacus Klein if you put them together. <laughs> that, that was obviously a very quick summary, and that mostly She's focused on Lelouch. <laughs> uh, like you have C two is the character they're alluding to, and she is the person who gave Lelouch his powers and is apparently an immortal and cannot die. She likes pizza. She has gotten enough pizzas in order to accumulate enough to get a free reward known as Cheese Coon. I forgot about Cheese Coon. <laughs> cheese Coon is super important. It's specifically Pizza Hut, which is important because product placement. You know, I, I did... forgot it actually was Pizza Hut. It was not as egregious as people said it was, honestly. No, no but it's definitely Pizza Hut. Um, also, cheese Coon, though. Cheese also, coon. the cat. There's also, in this, Lelouch's, like, right-hand person in his, his man crush, new... Karen. um What? <laughs> in his... um. Like, rebellion that he has formed. Well, actually, he kind of took over a rebellion that already existed. Yeah, he gave it organization and purpose, really. And so a bunch of people were like, Yarg Empire, and he's like, you know what? We should be Yarg Pro-Japan. Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that goes into leading up to this. And so her name is Colin, and unlike Kigali, she actually gets to do things. She's the fighty half of Char. You forgot uh, Lelouch's sweet mask and alter ego Zero, which makes him the mask half of Char. Yeah. So Lelouch, Lelouch, as uh, Tyler alluded to, is a genius. I mean, like, he plans everything, and the Gios really helps him, you know, force people to do what he wants to enable him to perfectly execute any plan he wants. And uh, at this point, we have had his best friend, the Japanese guy, Suzaku, has been knighted by his other sister, who is still with the Empire, while him and his blind sister, who is also crippled, are hiding out in Japan. And everybody currently thinks they're dead. Also worth noting, I don't think they are but they're half sister. Yeah, I think they're, they're half siblings. Which will be Lelouch important is... when uh rule D of the harem anime gets enacted later. <laughs> Lelouch's mother is not the same as uh Euphemia Cor- uh, Cornelia and like Schneisel's mother. I think Schneisel's mother is a different woman too. Dark Schneider? I, entirely possible. And I I think Cornelia's mom was the same one as Clovis's mother? Yes. And Lelouch kills Clovis in the very beginning. So he kills the ver- the first like minister of Japan at the very beginning of the series. Before he has even donned the mask and made people care about who he was. Also there's orange in there somewhere. It, it has he come back yet? He has Not back for a while. Well, you no, know, he has made an appearance um cuz when Euphemia first shows up they're trying to kill him to get rid of him before the new Viceroy shows up. And I think I think we've done a terrible job giving a synopsis here. That's our crazy... job every week. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff going on. There's a really smart guy. He's got magic powers from a space witch. <coughs> and he, his half-sister, his right-hand man slash super awesome mech pilot, and also his childhood friend are all trapped on an island together. And some stuff's about to happen because also there's an alien temple. Look, I know it's late and we've gone on a while. How much better would this show be if Lelouch is a magical girl and powered by C2? Oh. Oh. Oh, man. I'm into that. Um, I mean, he's got the magical girl costume already. 
Yeah, no, he, he does just... have a very fabulous costume, but... and he is very um likes him some drama. Like he really likes taking the stage. Would he still have Gaius? Yeah, that's power? His, that's his magical girl power. But you like... know, Sailor Venus has athletics. Lelouch has mind control. Eye. <laughs> it's just so impractical to have to transform every time we want like, to use it. Hey, hey, Tyler, what are Sailor Moon's powers? Uh, throwing a tiara <laughs> and crying. Uh, leadership. Friendship, friendship, but <laughs> I thought it was crying. Yeah, well, also she has supersonic cry. <laughs> Doesn't she also get like death lasers at some point? Um, I feel she gets uh, moon heartbreak. All right, what is it called? She hits you with a heart, and it sounds like you're getting hit with a Mack truck. <laughs> it's very good. What is that? Is that moon spiral heartbreak? It's something like that. She has moon healing escalation, and for the longest time, Ooh. I just wanted to edit together that end of Batman Begins, where uh, Gordon's like, what about escalation? Yeah, escalation. And just, moon healing! <laughs> escalation! <laughs> That's a really good attack name, too. Ooh. <laughs> Most of Sailor Moon's attack names are very good. Moon Gorgeous Meditation? That might be her worst attack, but it's got a great name. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we're on an island, guys. Yeah. Well, actually, the last episode ends with an explosion. Who knows yeah. where we could be? Yeah, we don't actually know how we got well, here. Well, let's, let's back up for a second, because it didn't just end with an explosion. It ended with an explosion from a hypothetical, like, super nuke laser. Yes, um, laser. Um, it... <laughs> L-A-Y-Z-O-R. Yeah, laser. laser. I think it's actually the Hadron gun, right? Ha- uh, yeah, it's called, like, the Hadron cr- uh, Crusher or the Hadron Cannon or something um, like that. But they didn't know what it was going to do, and they shot the sand, and, like, all of a sudden there's just, like, a, like, no, there's, like, a hole where everything was, so. And being more serious, it's important to note that Suzaku was ordered to stay there and, like, hold Zero in place. Because, uh, and sacrifice Lelouch himself. was, Lelouch slash Zero had captured him and was giving him, like, a recruitment speech. Because Lelouch has been trying to recruit Suzaku to his side to keep him out of the fight so he doesn't accidentally kill him. Because Suzaku is a soldier with the Britannian military. Also, Lelouch needs a cool soldier on his side. He doesn't think Colin's good enough because he's sexist or something. Actually, I think it's more a matter of he's... Because he doesn't know that Suzaku's a pilot. He's just trying to keep Suzaku out of the line of fire. I also think he treats Kellen as uh, kind of expendable for a while until yes. he realizes. That's because he treats everybody like they're expendable. It's exactly. why one of his li- one of the lines from one of his subordinates is so great. Zero wouldn't think that people are expendable. And meanwhile, you're just sitting there going, dude, he's been <laughs> thinking that since the beginning. Uh, I, I think don't think he even knows your name. My favorite line along those lines is when he gets engaged to the like Japanese princess and she's like uh. hanging out with Colin in C2. It's like, yeah, I don't mind. Great men always have harems. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's an R2 if I, yeah, that's an R2, because that's when the, ja- that's when the Chinese princess is there. Yeah. Or no, the Japanese princess, but they're in China at the time. Uh, anyway, shall we start? Yeah, that was a lot to unpack. <laughs> Look, Cross, I was say Cross Angel's gonna be even more, but it's only like episode five. That, that was a crash course of Code Geass. Uh, so we start with Suzaku, who looks quite a bit like Kira, or Amuro if you prefer. Imagine Clamp Amuro, imagine Amuro drawn by a shoujo manga artist, there you go. <laughs> He's on the beach now, because he got transported to a beach episode. He's, he's in his flight suit, just sitting on the beach, missing. And his first thing is, a, honestly, an honest question. Where's my mech? Because and, the last time he remembered it, he was in it. And then he's like, where's that guy I was fighting? <coughs> Meanwhile, we cut to the guy that he was fighting. He's on, on the, the other the, side of the apparently island. Apparently, other beach. He's where the Sky Rasper cla- uh, crashed. Apparently. It looks damn near identical to the one in Seed 2. Uh, just wait. It's the, it's identical in all of them, pretty much. I feel like it's the most unique in Code Geass, because the waterfall looks a bit different. 
in Buddy Complex, it might as well have been cut and paste. But we aren't there yet. So we get the opening at this point. Is this the bad opening? No, okay, this one's fine. It's the the bad opening. The third one that's just like figures imposed on background sliding around. It's only used for like two episodes. Character designs by Clamp. Yep. (laughs) I'm pretty sure XX Holic was Clamp. I wouldn't surprise me. They do a lot. I really like the opening to the openings to Code Geass, or at least a couple of them. It's, I like four out of five. I mean, that's not a bad bad rate. I like the music behind them too. Oh well, apparently the rest of the world just calls us Holic. But yes, that's okay. also clamp. Uh, again, I know we're going long, but they revealed Super Robot Wars T is going to have vocal tracks for, for battle music. Like oh, so oh. so you get to hear ga 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 every time you. God, I really <laughs> wish that I I wish that had been in the X and V because the. Uh, I really like the themes for Crossant. It's a cool upgrade. Anyway, so there's a lot going on that, like, it's hard to it's hard to really go into because of the yeah, because we don't know we haven't been hey, presenting Ninja the entire Maid. thing. She's not in this episode. Oh, I forgot about Ninja Maid. Ninja She's Maid cool. is great. Code Geass definitely has a different aspect to a lot of it from Gundam Seed because, like, in Gundam Seed, Kira's mobile suit always had the aspect of like the angel and whatnot. Code Geass, Lelouch. Really embraces the I'm a bastard, you know, demon aspect to his character and all that. Also, they're all named after Knights of the Round Table. All of them for the... The uh, Britannian. Britannian. Well, not even all of them, because I don't think Sutherland is a Knight of the Round Table. Uh, and I know Glasgow isn't. Well, they're special mechs, like the Lancelot, which is Suzaku's mech. It's like they're prototypes. Yeah, they're Gundams. Well, are. Yeah, they're also, Gundam did, did we mention the Knights of the Round, which are literally a thing in this show? I mean, we don't know that yet. They have been mentioned in passing, I think, up to this point. But they are kind of a thing, but we're not going to go and explain that. So we get a nice panning shot of Sunrise Sex Island. (laughs) And Suzaku is hiking up the uh, side of it. Just as I thought, this is another island. (laughs) Duh! You are in Japan! Although, to be fair, he didn't know where he got teleported. He might have been in Madagascar. We're... Well, that waterfall that, does look a lot like uh, the one in Gundam Sea, but the top is different. Suzaku is basically mentioning, I'm going to go take care of basic needs because reasons. And uh, he stumbles across naked chick bathing in the uh, waterfall. Oh, so uh, actually, we should establish Suzaku transferred to the same school. That... Oh, yeah. Also, they're all in high school yeah. because of course they are. <laughs> yes, they're all in high school. Uh, and he's actually going to an all Britannian school because it's segregated. The- the nation is basically segregated by Japanese and Britannian peoples. Yeah, so, so it's in Japan. Britannia has conquered Japan. Uh, Suzaku has transferred to this all-Japanese school. So All-British ch- all school. Yeah, sorry, all-British Brit- school. Britannian school. So he knows Lelouch and Colin. Well, he knew Lelouch from before. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, a naked chick. Hey, I know that naked chick. Yep. What is she doing on this random-ass island? And for a while, like, we watched this before we're recording, and... Uh, for a while, this bugged me because I, it was one of those weird things of the first thing you do when you end up on a deserted island is take a shower. But then these guys pointed out that it's probably due to a lot of salt water and whatnot. Yeah, all their flight suits are definitely soaked with salt water, except Zero, I think. And Well, he's got that cool... Co- that costume would be toast if he got salt water. Yeah, that. that is would. dry clean only. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we get a scene of him going to a dry cleaner and geesing him like, you will watch my outfit once a day. You will ask no questions. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what, what we were pointing out to Zach is that uh, horrible salt water sodden clothing is very uncomfortable very quickly. So anyway, Suzaki goes up to her like, excuse me, miss, like she dropped her purse. 
Not that she's standing there naked as the day she was born. Well, she's, she's like, like Susaki, what are you? Oh shit! <laughs> but a, I'm naked. Well, B, no, he's a he's a bad guy. No, or it, he's the enemy. I don't even read it as oh no, I'm naked. She's like, oh no, I need to kill that guy because like well, I, I think there's a moment of like, what the hell are you? Oh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of like, what are you doing here? Oh wait, I'm naked. Oh wait. More importantly, I have to kill that guy. I love that she like pulls her flight suit to cover her, but she's actually covering a knife that yeah, she's drawing. Yeah, so that's that's what I read it. Okay, so anyway, she pulls her flight suit up in front of her, and well, then we see her pull out her purse, which has a switchblade in it. Well, it's not it's not uh her flight suit; it's her like uniform jacket. And Saki's like, "Wait, a uniform jacket for terrorists? What the heck is Why going on? Why would she have that?" <laughs> and then she runs at him. <laughs> With, like, hiding the knife behind the jacket. And, you know, she's a great pilot. She's not trained like Suzaku is in hand-to-hand combat, so she loses. She gets judo-throwed. Pretty easily. And then he's like, what the hell are you doing on this island? Well, he's like, you know, he calls her by her Britannian name, like her family name, and from the Britannian side of things. But then she tells him that she's Japanese because she's actually half-blooded. Which is why she has pink hair. And she's like, anyway, I'm done hiding it. I, I'm a terrorist. I, you've seen me naked, so what do I have to lose <laughs> at this point? And, <laughs> to which he replies, well then, I'm, I'm placing, placing you, you under arrest. arrest. I well, love Suzaku. Well, he's, he's like, Suzaku is a weird amalgamation in my head of Kira and Athrin. Because, like, I don't want to kill anybody from Kira's side, but from Athrin's side, it's like, I have to do my duty and it's the right thing to do. Meanwhile, we get to Zero. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> your crime is rebellion against Britannia. And then we flash to Zero... Getting away from the naked chick and the dude on top of her. And we have him, like, planning things out. Like, do I pretend to be a normal civilian and get the Britannians to rescue me? No, that's probably a bad idea. I love that we get the Iron Man POV shot, too, one year before Iron Man came out. Because this anime is also very old. They do that a lot for him when he's in the Zero Mask to kind of show his facial expression. Because he can't see it otherwise. He hears somebody Mm -hmm. nearby. And it's a very wet girl. It's a very wet (laughs) pink-haired girl. So soggy. If you've been watching this from this to this point, now you just want to drop in with us. <laughs> it's Yuffie. She's she's it's Yuffie. Lelouch's half sister. Yeah, Lelouch's half sister. And then we cut back to Suzaku and who, Colin, who, has, who is now dressed in her flight dressed suit. Dressed and tied up. And tied up. <laughs> and he puts the jacket on over her shoulder. Because at the end of the day, Suzaku is still a gentleman. <laughs> yes, Suzaku is a gentleman. <laughs> and basically he's establishing that they all have the same backstory for ending up on the island. Yeah, and like Colin is so sarcastic and snarky at him. And she has total faith in Zero, which is a thing I really like about Colin, even though she probably shouldn't. Well, she kind of shouldn't, but up to this point, she hasn't really been given any reason why she shouldn't. We know she shouldn't, but she doesn't. And he's like, so who is she? And she's like, I don't know. Who do you think he is? Well, she's like, she actually tries to imply that she does know. Like, why don't you find out? And he's like, oh, so you don't know either. He starts interrogating her, but not about, like, what's going on. Just thought, like, why is this random schoolgirl I know, who I thought was, like, an invalid, a mech pilot in the enemy well, squad? Um, like, presumably he already asked her about that, because yeah. he, he starts that conversation with, you don't know either. Zero, in his full Batman outfit, pulls a gun. On uh, the pink hair, on Yuffie. And she kn- apparently knows who he is. She's figured it out. Which is cool. This is a reveal here. We had no idea she knew. There's been a couple hints up to this point, but nothing. Very few. Yeah. Very, very few and very subtle. If you're not looking for them or haven't seen the series before, you wouldn't have caught them. 
And I really like the contrast to the two of them having no idea talking about it. To her just be like, hey, Lelouch, sup? Like, cool Batman she, cosplay. She's, um, <laughs> I, I've read this because she starts it with, you know, Lelouch and then pre- presenting it like, she's almost positive, but she's she not 100% sure. sure that that's the case. And uh, Lelouch puts the gun away. He can't bring himself to shoot another one of his siblings. I don't think he would have anyway. I think nah. it was always just a threat. And then but he takes it was off a bluff. his stupid helmet. I love his helmet. It's great. It, it, I agree. It's also very stupid. I, I love his stupid ninja mask <laughs> that he has under the helmet. Oh, now that I see your cheekbones, I know it really is you. And like she's oh. crying. Clearly, she has missed. Like she, really, she clearly cares about him. They also, like she thought he was dead. Also, yeah. that. And they were like best friends when they were kids. <laughs> yeah. Well, well they I had mean, that I... weird sister brother marriage promise thing that, well, for some reason, is normal in Japanese stories. I, also, I'm, old stories. I meant more of a. Like, as opposed to his other sibling, when he found out that Lelouch was still alive, didn't have the same reaction. Well, he didn't try and kill him because Lelouch had a gun on him at the time. But, like, he didn't have the same reaction. It was like, oh, you're alive. Uh, I'm so happy you're alive. So, meanwhile, we cut to a crater where they just have metal detectors. You know that scene in Spaceballs? It's that scene in Spaceballs. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Find Princess Euphemia. Why are you looking for hey. her with a metal detector? Hey, it's been a while since I watched this. Why was she here? Was she with Suzaku? Uh, she was there overseeing, like, because Suzaku's her knight, so she so was why was she in the crater? Because <laughs> Suzaku was holding zero on orders, and she was going to basically get in the blast zone so they wouldn't fire because they wouldn't fire if there was a royal in the zone. Okay, but they did. But they did anyway. Presumably because they didn't know she was actually there. Cause, like, she arrived right as they fired. And so we got, a like, an officer at saying, you know, why couldn't she act like the figurehead she technically is? If Princess Cornelia, her older sister, finds out about this, they're going to murder me. I Meanwhile, they got a white base. And by they, I mean the Britannian forces. Prince it's, it's, Schneisel. It's a, it's a white and orange base. Prince Schneisel. And... Lloyd and his assistant are working on the Lancelot. Yeah, Lloyd's their tech guy. I really do like that this series has two opposing tech guys. <laughs> Rock Shot. Well, they and have very Lloyd. different personalities, which is also great. That's also a Zeta Gundam thing, and I, I love me a Zeta Gundam thing. Well, and it's presented later. Lloyd's a sociopath, Rock Shot isn't. And so it's like, hey, so you made my cool nuke cannon. He's like, yeah, we had to test it. <laughs> and we ha- his so his assistant is Cecily Kurumi, and like she's just sitting working on the Lancelot. And the prince comes in, and she kind of comedically falls off of the Lancelot's, like, external combings. Which sets up a love plot. So, I, I, if you guys haven't watched this, uh, Schneisel definitely comes off as... A playboy? Yeah, not even a playboy, like, manipulative? Oh yeah, he definitely is. I mean, we he definitely is, but he also seems somewhat, like, he's a weird mix of, like, genuinely emotive, but also manipulative at the same time. Yeah, he's good at, he manipulates people, like, by being charming, and way Lelouch does it by being intelligent. I love the shot, like, he's he turns half away from Cecily after helping her up, and her face is just like, oh my god, a royal is touching me. <laughs> like, it, her face is great. This is Snipes' introduction, too, right? Um, Yes. Well, we've seen him before, but this is really the first time he's actually done anything. Yeah, he's presented as more of a bastard when we've seen him before, but only because he doesn't get many lines. Well, we, we actually that's when get... he's talking to his father. Yeah, and we get to see him, like, being human here, but how much of that is an act? And Cecily kind of, she demands to know if uh, if the orders to blow Suzaku in the next week came from him. And he's like, yep. I was like, I have a nuke cannon. I'm going to shoot zero with it. I need to find out what it does. Well, also, he's like, you know, one sacrifice is worth maybe destroying this 
like rebellion leader. Plus, Suzaki seems like a main character. I figured he might be able to pull some shenanigans. I mean, on the one <laughs> hand, he's not in, he's not wholly wrong, but at the same time, given the society, because uh, Suzaku is technically Euphemia, another royal's knight, it's kind of like he's overstepping his authority a little bit. And he then he has like, I'm sorry, it's my fault for not protecting my subordinates. And he really comes off as inge- uh, disingenuous there. It's, I read it as very genuine, yeah, actually. Yeah, if you listen to the voice acting, I think in both versions he comes off as genuine. But if you look at the facial expressions, yeah. It's well, not, that's, that's why his, his facial expression really says, I don't really care. So Euphemia, now on Naked Girl Island, realizes she must shed her clothing as well. Well, I mean, at least in this case, it makes a little bit more sense because Lelouch has given her his cape and, uh, like, they're <laughs> letting know, it dry. If you're on an island with a breeze and you're wet, really all you need is a cape. Well, I mean, it, at the very least, it's not in the middle of nowhere. She knows there's somebody there. Lelouch is at least a decent person. Like, he's not going to do anything to her. He already didn't kill her. I mean, what more do you want? <laughs> and yeah, he's, I- he's doing the gentlemanly thing of, like, they're both leaning up against this rock talking to each other about it or you know about life and catching up and they're looking away from each other euphemia's like you must hate us and lucia's like just tell me one thing what do you do about my mom's mysterious death he's like yeah nothing well it wasn't really a mysterious but my death. sister's looking into it my sister was like her number one fangirl she really was yeah i know yeah it, <laughs> it's really presented later when we get more out of uh cornelia but Cornelia is also a good character. This show has a lot of good characters. It really does. Yeah. So Euphemia's like, hey, are you actually Batman or are you Bruce Wayne? It's like, right now I'm Bruce. Just Brucey Bruce. He just, you know, right now I'm Lelouch that you remember. Not even Bruce Wayne. I'm Brucey Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Cool Guy Bruce. And of course she's emotional because this dude that was supposed to be dead is still alive and talking to her. And uh, she's hungry because, yes. So then we get this amazing thing of Zero without his cape. So it's just Lelouch in a suit. Which is like, without the cape and the mask, it loses all of its dramatic. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just a fancy school uniform. It's kind of just like a jumpsuit. It, it looks a little bit like footy pajamas, actually. Digging a hole with a sharp stick, basically. Yeah, and, like, and, and being all analytical, like, I'm going to set up a trap from the medieval times. And Euphemia's just watching him like, oh, this isn't going to go well. Meanwhile, we get Suzaku catching a fish with his bare hands out of the air. <laughs> he rolled a 20 on fishing. He's anime good at fishing. And uh, Colin, you're good at that. I love how surprised she looks, too. And then how skeptical, even with her and non-face. Suzaku's like, I'll, I'll let you loose if you help me get food. And she goes, all Sundari. You're not going to win me over by like doing that. But he's like, hey, you're way better like this than you are at school. And you're just like, yeah. Cool. <laughs> so after we get that shot, like, Suzaku's able, incompetent to get food, we have Lelouch all exhausted. Yeah, from if you've ever to tried dig to dig a, a hole with a shovel, you know it's not easy. He's trying to do it with a stick, and he's just like, uh, and Euphemia's like, hey, I'll, I'll help you, and she's like, no, you're a princess. Oh, my Manual- God. Oh, this is the worst. Manual Why labor didn't I isn't- mind control Suzaku to make him my knight? I could make him do this. Manual labor is not something for a princess. I, I this love- system is perfect. <laughs> She's like, well, why don't I go, like, get some fruit or something? I don't know. <laughs> and Lelouch is too tired to even get up to help her. I like that she's dressed now, but she's still holding on to the cape. Which I guess, like, he would would get in the way if you were digging. But it never does when he's in combat, so. Well, usually he's piloting, Yeah, so, so usually he's sitting in a chair, so. Fair. I, have you ever tried to sit in the chair with a cape, though? Especially if you need to move levers quickly? Um, I have. You're right. It's not very practical. <laughs> And so we jump to the Black Knight's sweet sub-base. 
Uh, which not is as... literally a sub. Oh man, we're not gonna get to the flying submarine next week, are we? Uh, from the next series? No, yeah. we're not. Because that's in the that's in the second half of the show. That's really late. Okay. But they do have a bitchin' flying sub. So a bunch of characters we didn't talk about because they're minor resistance members are kind of arguing over what they should do. There's Daytard, my favorite, who's like this fanatical Zero supporter who's in the press and is like, oh, yes, Zero is the new Christ. I must write his story and I will make billions on his autobiography and afterwards. And o- Ogi is actually really important because... Um, He's like, like the people's man. He, well, he was the leader of the organization before Zero kind of took it over. And Zero's manipulated him into being kind of his second in command because he's kind of a pushover. But, like, he does legitimately care about what they're doing, and he legitimately cares about the people under him, which is makes him very much a contrast to Lelouch, who kind of doesn't. He's a peacemaker, too, which is important here, but he also fails to make a decision between the two people who are like, we need to abandon Zero and leave him to de- for dead, and the one's like, he's the most important member of this operation, even if we all die, as long as he survives, we're good, so we need to do everything to support him we can. But Ogi decides, we're going to wait a day, because see what happens, and we're going to go. Yeah, and so they're arguing about it. You know, is he dead? He's probably dead. If he doesn't, if he isn't dead, then he'll figure something out if he, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good argument between the two people because you have Detard, who's very much a vocal supporter of Zero and all about oh, Zero. And he's then you also have the other dude. one of those, like, it's really an argument over uh, whether great people make history or history makes great and people. So while they're, or- while they're arguing, C2, the green haired girl, just kind of wanders in and is like, he's alive. Because uh, I know this. And this dude who's kind of presented as, he's very much a side character, starts going off on her about being a dumbass and everything. And and she just like starts insulting him and talking down to him very much so. And Ogie shuts it up. So really quick, did we establish why C2 is still wearing like a straight jacket at this point in the series? Because it clings to her body very tightly. I, okay, they don't yes. ever really present it, but given a couple of other episodes in which she dresses in other clothing, it's probably safer for her to dress like that. I'm specifically thinking of the uh, other episode in here where they're confronting a different guy with Gias, and she's got this weird, like, I don't even know what the style is. I just know, I just remember the little tiny hat. Oh, I love the little tiny, that entire outfit was great. Uh, also, Clamp just said character designs. They have to tell her story with the character design. So, straight jacket. And so she starts talking to st- somebody else, but we don't know who that is. And she's like, hey, you sent Colin there, too? Man, that's in bad taste. Clearly, she doesn't like whoever is on the other end of whatever she's talking to. And then the uh, the eye catch is a lot less yeah. impacting than Gundam is. It's just a couple of lines that I... Obviously, they mean something. They're Japanese texts. I think they're translated in the... If you're actually watching it in English, but I can't remember. Hello, and thank you for listening to our self-indulgent Code Geass special. This is Jeremy, but I am not alone. It is I, Tyler, the guy who normally appears at this time. I'm here, too. Like, they ambushed me. They said, you're doing this, so uh, you got to actually show up this time. Also, the I'm ghost Zach. of Kevin. The ghost of Kevin is here. Well, I mean, yeah, he's just real quiet. The ghost of Ed, I think. He is actually in town and threatened to show up sometime today and then didn't. That sounds about right. Hi, guys. So we are all here to announce something very special that we've been hinting at for a while, which is that we have launched a Patreon. Finally, um, that is my favorite Pokemon type evolution. Patreon, yeah, the Patreon. Does it evol- is it an evolution? Yeah, it evolves with an art degree. <laughs> you can find it at 
if all things went well, because we haven't actually launched it when we're recording this, www.patreon.com slash lastpodcasts. We will also no doubt have a link to it on our website, www.lastpodcasts.com, as well as in our Discord, which you should go hang out in because it's not Patreon-gated yet. And I don't ever want it to be, really. I, I'm i on the same page. I don't want to actually Patreon-gate that thing because it's too much fun hanging out with people in there. Unless you want a dedicated RP server, in which case I will totally run that. I'm just saying. Me and all my free time will run that game for you. <laughs> which means it'll never get run. <laughs> Sorry to break it to y'all. I'll just play way fewer video games. It's fine. So thank you, everyone who listens to this. Genuinely, it's just Thanksgiving yesterday for us, and I did a thing on our Discord. But since not everyone is on the Discord, thank everyone who listens to this, because I was going to say you make it all worth it. But we did do a podcast for four years that no one listened to, and we continued to do it. But it is the most gratifying thing of my life that people listen to this and comment on it. So, it's validation is what it is. I don't even know that. It's really satisfying. And I tell this to people that I meet sometimes to say, like, we've been doing this for, what, seven years now? Something like that. Um, it's been a bit. And I'd like to say, like, it's a seed that we planted. And no, that's not a joke about the name of Gundam Seed. But it could be. Uh, that has finally blossomed into, like, a little tree that's bearing people fruit. That's gross now that I say it. No, it's just really cool to, like, we've been doing this long enough, and now we have, like, a community that engages with itself, and that is so weirdly satisfying. I love talking to all the people in our Discord. It's great. But if you do want to give us a little bit more, at the $1 level, we will give you a sincere thanks on our Thanksgiving Thanktacular next year, and every year forward, if you give us even just $1, because genuinely it means a lot to us. But if you want to get something out of it, for $5, we will have occasional bonus episodes, as well as, if you just can't wait for us to get to Gundam Seed Destiny, early episodes of this podcast as soon as we are done editing. And right now, the first 10 episodes of Gundam Seed Destiny are on our Patreon. So if you want to get a head start on those, if you really want to hear us talk about Shin Asuka and Stella <laughs> and Neo fucking Roanoke. Uh, I mean, we haven't actually talked about Stella much, which is... Because she doesn't do anything. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> 10 episodes right now, patreon.com slash lastpodcasts. We're going to try to get up a bonus episode pretty soon here. We have a few ideas we're kicking around. Might even be up before we launch this, but I would not expect it. And again, if you can't or don't want to pay us for this, that's no issue at all. It really means the world that you listen to us. If you could tell a friend, since we're about to go into Destiny, or give us a rating on iTunes, that would go a long way too. But even just listening means the world to us. Or, you know, if you're someone who's listened for a while and has just never said, hey, just like shoot us an email or something because I really appreciate those. There are a couple people who have just only ever sent us an email saying, hey, and then never heard from them again. And you know what? That's also really cool. Yeah, drop by the Discord. I always have a blast talking to people in there. That's have true. a discussion on history again. I That's feel, a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like that we have serious discussions on history sometimes. That's kind of fun. I don't know. There's just like... I feel a little bad that we dogpile on new people, I think, just because we all pay attention when new people drop in. <laughs> so um, I try to always be the first one, but sometimes Zach beats me to it. So <laughs> It's a race to greet the new guy. It is, um, which, again, is horrifying. If, like me, you're a person with social anxiety and now have to engage with people. So. so if you're tired of these episodes and want us to get back to Gundam Seed, the Patreon is your option. Or in a couple <laughs> of weeks, they'll be out for everybody. I'm I'm really hoping that everyone enjoys these as much as I did. Yeah, so. these were our blast to record. So oh, hopefully they're... you are enjoying us. Pretend we know about Code Geass. <laughs> I actually did. We all had seen the series when we recorded this, but... Really funny to watch Tyler pretend he knows about Crossange. That was fun. I know a lot about Crossange. 
What are you talking about? So we will get let you get back to Lelouch and his murder princess. Get back to Suzaku pleasuring himself with a fish. Sorry. Again. I'm trying to remember what where this cut would be. I think they just discovered the weird ancient temple. Yeah, so we'll let you get back to your Zelda dungeon. Again, <laughs> thank you. And goodbye. Bye. So we cut to the beach where Euphemia's like, come on, they're they're good. And she's got a bunch of berries and stuff, and Luch is just being man proud. She's what? like, it's okay, we can try your pit trap again tomorrow. He, he's so he deflated looks, and depressed, it's great. Uh, meanwhile, Colin is feasting on roast fish. He's like, oh man, you're good to cook too? It, like, she just is lounging around and being very snarky about Suzaku asking, you know, is this what you're really like? I'm pretty sure they're right outside of Athen and Kigali's cave, and they just don't yep. run in because it's not raining. <laughs> Probably. The beach looks almost identical here. Like, I swear I can see the Gundam standing on the hill in the background. And Suzaku's trying to convince uh, Colin to leave the Black Knights. Like, he's kind of offering a... a Amnesty deal? A olive branch, you know, saying kind of... I won't tell anybody about it if you leave. But she's like, no, I'm too important. I'm the captain of Zero's Royal Guard. I have that sweet Char red mobile suit you've been fighting. I really like the design of her mobile suit. Yeah, it's badass. The asymmetry in it. The Gurren Mark II. And we get a little bit more of uh, like the difference in ideologies. Like He doesn't want to disrupt the status quo. He believes... In- Suzaku, and this is one of the things that we've always seen, is... Believes in not um, disrupting the status quo and working from within. Whereas Lelouch and his crew are trying to do it from without. Yeah, like, he he believes that preserving peace as much as possible is the way to do it. Uh, yeah, save as many lives as possible. Be as bloodless as possible. He wants to raise up through the ranks, become king, and abolish everything well, basically by himself. Viceroy is actually the go- Viceroy over Area 11 slash... Japan is he's, actually the goal here for he's, him. He's also very much taking everything on himself, uh, which is the bit of self-punishment, because he reveals here that he's the one who killed his father, who is the prime minister trying to resist the Britannians. Uh, this isn't a reveal exactly, but he hasn't told anyone. Uh, yeah, he hasn't actually told anybody, but we've, we as the, uh, as the viewers know, and uh, like it's, it really does put a lot of what he does into perspective, because his father was calling for do-or-die resistance. But after his death, they covered it up. So we get some flashbacks with Euphemia and uh, Lelouch on the other side of the island without a fire. Oh, it would ruin the starlight. And well, she... I, get the, I get the feeling that's also more of a Lelouch thing, being more concerned about people seeing them on the beach than it is anything else. So, I really like that one comment, though, it, um, where Yuffie is like, can't we go back to the way things were? And Lucian instead of saying yes or no, is wow, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's very much in, it's to, in, in their characters. Like he thinks because what he's done up to this point is not exactly the actions of a good person or a nice guy. Whereas Euphemia is still very much in the side of uh, she's very innocent. Euphemia is actually is kind of like Lacus from Gundam Seed, but. But less of a mob boss. M- less of a mob boss in, like, she's much more kept out of affairs of everything. Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from, and you're right, but I actually see a lot of Lacus in C2. It's definitely, a lot of that is visual, um, but also the, like, kind of secret, actually knowing what's going on stuff. 
Although she doesn't play coy with it. So Well, the reason why I get it from uh Yuffie is because a lot of the things that drive them are similar. Um in C2 very much does not have the same drives as Lacus. Like she does have a, some of the aspects, but C2 has very different motivations. Yeah, like you said earlier, the characters don't really pair one for one with Gundam Seed, but the emotions kind of do. They're both stories about two best friends trapped on the other side of conflicts. And going back to Suzaku and uh, Colin, we have them still arguing about what is what is the right thing to do. I really like Suzaku says, Zero's just like my dad. You know, that guy I killed. <laughs> well, because they're basically, he was calling for do or die resistance, you know, to the last man and throwing people away for fights or for, you know, whatever you can do to, to fight, not actually conserve lives. And Lelouch is kind of like that. He's just smarter about it. And, and like, Colin is like, it doesn't matter. Like, there are things more important than my life. I actually really like Suzaku's re- response about how the do killing everybody doesn't really do anything. It just leaves you feeling hollow and all that. Because he's actually speaking from experience. It doesn't help. It just leaves you feeling guilty. Yeah. So, like, Colin kind of defeated, just slumps over onto her, like, jacket as a pillow. It's very cute. Because her hands are tied behind her back. And there's a shot of, like, Lelouch analyzing or thinking while he's staring at Yuffie, who's sleeping. Or dead. It's hard to tell. I don't even know. No, she got fruit. She's good. <laughs> and so we, we have uh, them echoing kind of each other. Suzaku and uh, Lelouch kind of are echoing each other on opposite sides of the island. But then they both notice the lights. So the white base shows up. It's like, oh, they must be on this island. I guess come daylight, we'll send people to search. And would you look at that? There's a cave we were excavating here on this island. How do they know there were people on this island? Uh, didn't they assume they were dead? I think they said no, they, they washed up somewhere. They, they were. I assume they, they looked at tides or something. They didn't know if they were dead or not. That's why they were looking. Yeah, there was a suspicious if, lack of wreckage. Yeah, if he, uh, if they did survive, there they probably washed up here. And they, to be fair, at this point they're just looking for Suzaku because they don't know anybody else is out there. So we go to Suzaku and Colin, who are hiking up one side of the mountain, and Kagalan's trying to get herself free of the ties. And uh, Lelouch and Yuffie are walking up the other side of the mountain. And Lelouch is planning already. Is like, we have to see who they are, and then we can plan how to deal with them. And Yuffie's like, deal with them? And Lelouch is like, yeah, I'm going to like trade them a yak. What do you think I mean? I'm going to shoot them with my gun. Well, it actually it, it makes a lot of sense on either side, because you could, if that could make for multiple things deal with them in like yeah, i'm going to deal with the them or i'm going to deal with them like i'm going to give them 20 bucks and they're going to give me a dinghy and we're going to row back what's funny is when i took notes on this episode we're watching it 20 bucks is exactly what i said for that oh, it's a good default <laughs> exactly <laughs> one jackson uh so we cut to the cave where the science guy for the britannians like i don't know this is some weird lovecraft shit my uh knowledge is in science not weird lovecraft shit <laughs> Uh, and they're like, well, that's unfortunate, but also we have this sweet mech here, and he's like, oh, that's my shit. Yeah, and he says, please don't complain. I think it's Bartley tells uh, Lloyd, please don't complain so much. That That's kind of what Lloyd does, is complain and gush about Lancelot. They're like, yeah, all the other Lovecraft caves were put under Imperial control. I don't know what's special about this one. We might be invading all the countries to gain a hold of all this occult stuff. It's like very Hitler-esque. I was just about to comment. It was very Hitler-esque. I love Lloyd's little aha! So that's why you brought me here. Mobile suit. I'm sorry, nightmare. And so we got Lelouch and Yuffie again, like, 
talking about how if there's a search party, won't we have to split up again? And Lucy, yeah, we probably will. I'm an undependable knight. I couldn't find food. And like Suzaki should be feeding you, right? Yeah, he he's your knight. I think the reason why she looks surprised there, I think, is because like she's surprised he knows who Suzaku is. Yeah, or that she made him a knight at all. So anyway, Lucy's like, oh, movement. I got to put on my cape and mask so I look great. In one motion. To be fair, he's not wrong because in that situation, it could be anybody. And if he was unmasked as zero, that could be really bad. Well, I get Moon Lelouch makeup and then he's in the outfit. It's like, (laughs) what? What are are Suzaku and Colin doing? And Euphemia not understanding Hyde. It's like, Suzaku and Lelouch being smart and quick thinking gets up and immediately holds a gun on her. And he's like, play along. Yeah, he has to play along. It's like, hey, let's trade let's trade girls. Yeah, That's what Kira and Atherin did, and it worked out for them. Yeah, and Suzaku starts to go up and like, are you going to cow trying to call Lelouch a coward? Like, you know, are you gonna call me a coward again? It's like, yeah, are you gonna kill me and let your mistress die? And uh, Colin has gotten more or less free and wrapped up Suzaku. Uh, and Euphemia like kind of goes for it and is like, hey, stop. And, call- and Colin calls her a puppet princess, and I love Euphemia's reaction to that. <laughs> and then, like, no, fight her, Suzaku. Kick <laughs> the bitch's ass. I'm fine here. <laughs> well, we're going to, uh, you know, we're I'm go- we're going to have this cat fight between you and Colin. Thankfully, further escalation is solved by accidentally activating a boss room or something. Yeah, so they activated someone's <laughs> trap card, and an elevator sinks them down into the Zelda dungeon on this island. And, Suz- and even Lelouch is surprised as to what's going on, because he doesn't have a plan for this. Yeah, I don't think Lelouch took magic into account, despite having magical <laughs> powers himself. He doesn't I don't ever, think he really. realized that it was a... Th- well, I mean, to be fair, there's not supposed to be that many, and C2 never really goes into detail. For how many of them there are. It's kind of like Gandalf being like, I didn't think Sauron might have wizards. <laughs> and so, like, this platform collapses into the uh, Cthulhu cave, and uh, everyone is very surprised. It's like a play stage just, like, fell down in front of mid-scene. I kind of um, love how great and terrible the faraway animation for faces is yeah. in the show at the I was same just thinking time. about that with the Euphemia's reaction. It's like so chibby and low detail but it also <laughs> kind of really works. Yep. Like the, the Britannian soldiers get ready to shoot but the general reminds them the princess is there. And, and hey look they left a Gundam over here. And conveniently the platform that fell is just chest height with this Gundam. <laughs> Colin is like I need a gun. So she kicks the shit out of a couple people, steals a gun you know, Suzaku's shell-shocked. I, I kind of love, like, Lush gets in and is like, thank heaven, unmanned, but also un- powered and unmanned, or something along <laughs> well, those lines. Well, you know, the prince wanted to run the heaters so that it would be <laughs> nice and warm for him, and he got in. It, it goes just far enough to the point where you almost think he's just going to flip down the sun visor and find the keys. <laughs> I was just Alternatively, he would have had to hotwire it, right? Actually, ask Colin to hotwire it. <laughs> Lelouch could have hotwired it, or yeah. hacked it. Which is kind of what he does anyway. I like it. Also, it's on the preview screen. Like, hey, bro, here's all the stuff your mech can do. It's like the demo screen. It's <laughs> at the Best Buy for nightmares. <laughs> yeah, and Lelouch gets a uh, look at Schneisel and has the rage face because he really doesn't like his brother. And Colin jumps on the shoulder. Oh, Colin jumps on the shoulder with the gun. And the, and the uh, 
the general, get it back, we can't let that fall into their hands. And the prince is just like, very amusing. I'm going to be around for a second, oh, smirk. I also kind of like Lelouch's response, you know, we'll handle, we'll, we'll deal with you, Schneisel, later. Um, and then Lelouch fires giant shoulder cannons that Colin is literally sitting on. He's like, eh, it's fine. Well, she probably beh- won't die. She's sitting behind it. Like, yeah, she's real close to the head. He has no idea what the recoil on those is going to be, or, like, there's going to be a bunch of... <laughs> Especially because the weapons are unperfected. Exactly. He needs that Kirayamato hacking skill to get those weapons to aim correctly, and he don't got it. Not yet. He has to take the feat in Season 2 for that. So what was Suzaku so, like, stunned by there? I think it's, like, supposed to be the symbols in the cave or something, or maybe... Does he recognize them? I think it's in... I think... Well, yes, because when he gets hit with a lot of shock imagery later, or earlier in the season, um, he's seen the symbol, and I think it's got partly to do with that, and I think it's also got to do with, um, like, a flash of insight as to who Zero might be. That's how I always read it, but looking at it again, that that comes up later. So why do you think that? Because him figuring it out always... felt a little hollow to me later like what clue does he have here there are a couple of aspects because lelouch when especially when they first start talking his speech patterns are very similar to it and suzaku even comments on it you know my friend used to call me a fool all the time and so that's kind of clue number one and there's another couple of things like here i think like it's, what's the clue here i mean specifically it's it's also implied that he has vague recollections of the symbol in his eye and he just saw it on a giant glowing fucking okay. i think that's also part so of it like is that he can still see memories. it that might be that was what I thought initially, but going back to it, it's like, not really. I think there's a couple of things later that come up that really reinforce that, and that's why he's suspicious going into the fi- into later on in the season. So anyway, Britannia decided to bring all their mechs to this search and rescue mission <laughs> on an island, and um, they start shooting at Zero. And somehow not hitting Colin as she's riding on the shoulder of this mech. They're stormtroopers. That, yeah, I, I realize that it's just incredibly lucky that she doesn't get picked off like the squishy target she is. But Zero's like, it's fine. The other system is operational. And it just flies. My butterfly wings activate. And Colin's like, well, that's cool. Good thing I'm not scared of heights. And Lucius <laughs> like, yes, I'm king of the world. Like, Let me show you the world, Colin. Having... Shining, shimmering splendor. <laughs> like, he's got this great cackle. <laughs> and in all honesty, I really think l- the guy who voice Lelouch in English, did his laugh just so much better. I really like the Japanese one. I haven't heard the English one. They're both so pretty good. I just think the Japanese or the English one is just great. And so Bartley, the general, and Lloyd are both kind of depressed that they stole the Gawain. He's doing his best Jack Nicholson impression. My Gawain! They took my Gawain! <laughs> and Schneisel's just like, huh, well, well you win some, you lose some. <laughs> Thank, thank heaven, you're both all right. Euphemia goes over to him and says, like, I'm sorry, I took so long. Were you even looking? Like, were you actually looking? And then, of course, Suzaku, if you've been, if you've been watching this series, you understand what happens next. Something happened, therefore Suzaku is arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that's the downside he took, arrested on the spot. And, like, his expression when this comes up, because, like, a bunch of guys show up to arrest him and, like, declare, you're under arrest. He and he just has this expression of, Again? <laughs> so the Gawain is flying off after having contacted Ogi. And basically at this point, we're resetting the board. Like, we had this philosophical discussion, and uh, now we're looking at the ramifications of it. But we also we get a reveal from the previous episode. We finally figure out what happened. Like, how they got here. 
Lelouch finally used his Gios on Suzaku, which, which was something he had never planned to do, and ordered him to live. And that's what got them basically out of there. And then we find out that Suzaku is being arrested because he disobeyed orders to basically die with Zero and went to go live. So now they're court-martialing him for disobeying orders. And he even said, like, hey, screw your plan. I have to live. And he does no memory of saying that, but there is recording of it. Because that's how Gios works. I don't know that we explained that. So we cut to Cornelia. Well, that's kind of how his works. Who is Yuffie's sister with awesome purple hair instead of pink hair. And we find out that uh, apparently China is invading. With no well, declaration of war. China is invading, but they have the uh, flag yeah. of Japan on them. Uh, which we zoom in it on as the scene goes slowly red. So this is basically ends up setting up like the next large sequence in Yeah, the last the like two season. or three minutes are like, here, here we're resetting the board, here are the stakes again, just to remind you guys what's going on. But that's kind of the way Gundam Seeds Island episode works as yep. well. It's about the emo- it's about characters coming together and having an excuse not to shoot each other. It's the same here. Here we get it with two pairs of characters, whereas in Gundam Seed, it's just Kigali and Athern, who have only shared screen time in the opening sequence up to that point. Well, and also in this one, uh, it's it works a little bit differently, because here we've got a couple of characters unmasking each other because Suzaku, Colin, and Lelouch have all had interactions on screen to this point. But as their like stage personas and not as their real in selves. school. Like they've yeah. they've they've interacted with each other in their classes and in school. None of them realized that the others were actually involved in the conflict. Like Lelouch and uh Except Colin, Suzaku. Everyone knew Suzaku was Well they knew he was in the military engineering corps, but they didn't know he was actively working against them. That's only revealed through happenstance when somebody actually cuts a hole in his cockpit. I believe that was the episode before this. Yes. Well, that's why we got to the point where the... Ep- well, it wasn't the episode before this. It was the one before... It was episode 17, so two episodes ago. At the end of it, they reveal that Suzaku's been driving this white nightmare the entire time. So yeah, that's Code Geass episode 19, I guess. Uh, do we want to do high points, low points? Yeah, sure. Um, Might um, as well keep the format the same. Tyler! I think my high point actually is when Yuffie is completely oblivious and jumps out of the bushes after uh, Lelouch has told her specifically not to do that thing. Um, and especially when she jumps out with, like, the chippy face. It's fantastic. Zach? Uh, I have to say it's probably the difference in them being able to find food. Like, Lelouch is trying to use <laughs> intellect and all that and just being a complete and total failure. Whereas Suzaku is actually good at it. And so the, di- the dichotomy of that whole sequence, I think, is great. Well, especially with the scene with them actually eating their meals and like Lucha's he's just so got disappointed. this such depressed fra- face. And then we cut over to Kellen, who's like, "Oh man, that was a good pile of giant fish." All right, those are both probably better than the one I'm going to pick, which is Lelouch's evil laugh as he starts <laughs> flying away. That one's also it pretty is good. pretty great. He has a great evil laugh. So one of the things I love about the show is just how melodramatic it is all the time. Well, Lelouch has the flair for the dramatic. It's so- it's mainly Lelouch. So what's your low point, Tyler? I think actually maybe the establishing scene with Schneisel um, aboard the definitely not uh, white base. The Avalon. Yeah, I think is what it's actually called is the Avalon. Um, I didn't use its name at all during our episode, but I will now. Yeah, it just was, wasn't a terribly strong scene. Like, I think it was a necessary scene, but I think they could have done a little more with it. Zach? In all honesty, like, I understand why they, why, especially after talking to you guys, Colin was taking a shower. But at the same time, it still felt 
a lot more fan servicey to me than... Oh, it's definitely gratuitous, and there are definitely nipples. We should oh, point that out. There's some bouncing, too. There's some Maru-level bouncing, especially when Suzaku tackles her. Like I like I said, I love the series. That seemed way too fan servicey to me, because we haven't really seen a lot of that. I mean, it's been implied in a couple of cases. Um, it's mostly been C2, though. Uh, well, there was also a scene earlier where Colin was taking a shower, but we didn't get nearly as much of the... That's also a dramatic scene, yeah. so... That that seems great, but yeah, I think it uh, it would have to be that because it felt way too fan servicey than anything else. Uh, mine is kind of on the same track. This is a very ser- fan servicey episode with two naked girls playing prominent roles. Weirdly, though, the one shot that really stood out to me as just like extra is when Colin and Suzaku are talking while they're eating. Colin's just got her flight suit zipped down just to show off her cleavage, so which Suzaku, I don't though. think she ever does. I think I interpreted that as it's warm out. That's kind of what I thought, because like as soon as Suzaku leaves the beach, he rolls up the sleeves of his flight suit and zips it down to that. Like, so he's still like Tyler said, it's he's got it at the same level. It just I think it feels a lot more fan servicey and awkward because uh, because of the scene earlier and because Colin is a girl. Yeah, I guess that's true. It just and also, like I said, I feel like Colin's always got hers. Like, all the way zipped up. It but usually it's weird. in a combat situation. That's this is true. really the only time we see Colin running around not in a combat situation in her flight suit. We don't know how she got dressed. Maybe Suzaku did it, and he's just a closet <laughs> perf. We don't know. I- I'm assuming that the way that ended up going was Suzaku told her to get dressed and just kind of st- stood guard. I've got your purse knife. <laughs> I-, I think that was also part of it. And, like, I-, I always get the feeling that he was doing kind of the gentlemanly thing as well. Because he's also kind of a knight. He's also got that going on. All right, so do we want to be cheeky and put a... <laughs> what? Um, a uh, nightmare on our mobile suit yeah. list? The only one you could add is the Gawain, because yeah, that's the, the only, only one that, that shows appears up. in this episode. Uh, you know, and actually, it's one of my least favorite mechs out of this entire series, so... I like the Gawain, but we either. haven't really gotten a whole lot of... Because it's also a double-seater. It's a two-seater. Do um, we get mechs in the other episodes that we're going to be doing? Now, I don't know about Buddy Complex. I know the Vilkis shows up, and that's the one I would want to put on, because the Vilkis is uh, going to be interesting on our list. I love the Vilkis, but I, it doesn't actually really do anything. Uh, it will look somewhat similar, I think, to something you've seen before. Just a little bit. So let's start with the dead center of our list, which is the duel with the Assault Shroud. And so we're ranking the Gawain? Yeah. I like the Gawain a lot more. I do like that it's a two-seater. I really like that C2 gets to be in it, but that's kind of the only thing I really like about it, so I don't think I like it personally. I actually like the shoulder cannon, though, and also the black with gold trim. It's pretty classy. Um, I think I'm going to side with Zach. I don't think it goes much higher. So the other two-seater we have on the list is the Legau. I, really I like, like it a lot Legau. more. I like it a lot more than the Legau. I, I, I don't know how the Legau got this high on the list. I, I also <laughs> like both it. Me, both me and, and Tyler really like it. I know. I, I do know. I just had to do that episode. <laughs> I know. I got just listened to the other one. That was yeah. I, I oh, love really how like two episodes before that we're talking about how stupid the Bakus are, and then like Zach and I do a total one eighty no, on it. You guys are talking about how stupid the Bakus nope, are. You're also talking about. I it. wasn't. I didn't think I was you talking about not being stupid. Okay. I will believe you because you guys edit those. Okay, so is it better or worse than the Ale Strike? I definitely think it's worse than the Ale yeah. Strike. I mean, if it was the Senkiro or the Gurren Mark II or the Lancelot, I might fight you on that, but not not the Gawain. So final question, is it better or worse than the Calamity Gundam? Uh, you're going to have to remind me which... Yes, that's uh, the ranged druggy Gundam. Okay. The purple, or not purple, blue, blue and like orange color scheme. 
Yeah. Um, They're pretty comparable, I think. I slightly prefer the Calamity just because I prefer a Gundam design. It's very slight. I I like the Gawain because the Gawain has this, like, Anubis Death God vibe to it because it's even got the jackal head. And like Tyler said, I like the shoulder cannons. At the point when this comes in, it's the first gun or the first nightmare we're introduced that can fly, which is really cool. Which is something all Gundams can just do. Well, actually, none of them can. All of them. This is can the Sandrock no get off the ground? Okay, I didn't think so. Um, only I think of the original ones. I think only the wing can fly, or of the wing Gundams, only the wing can fly. And in seed, none of them can. None of the, the Gundams and the can Justice. fly. Oh yeah, the Freedom and the Justice can fly, but none of the original five can. Oh, that's, that's why they, they have the ghouls so much. It, okay, yeah, this is a tough one. Honestly, I think actually I <laughs> like I always liked the Anubis aesthetic uh, that Gawain had going for it. So I think I I side with Zach on that one. I think I prefer the Gawain. So the Gawain will go at number eight. Above the calamity and below the ale strike, seems uh, about right. Yeah, that was surprisingly high on this list. That is made Top up third. of Gundams, <laughs> or I guess mobile suit. If Jeremy thing. actually wants to rank the other one, I will fight him on a lot of points. <laughs> <laughs> and how stupid it! Well, say I have a completely unbiased perspective on this at this moment, especially since your most opinions are going to probably come from its appearances in the opening. Yep. All right. So, as we've alluded to, if you thought this week was fan servicey, next week, <laughs> uh, isn't yeah. that show just entirely fan service? Not entirely. That show is about an all women's prison where they have to wear revealing outfits to ride mecha to fight dragons. To be fair, we're talking about the island episode, not the swimsuit episode. Does it have Cross Ant has both? Does it also have a hot springs episode? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kind of? They spend a lot of time it's in the a, bath? It's more a rec center episode? <laughs> well, I, I think I was, that's also the episode that has the Hotel Mula Flaga in it. Uh, no, that's actually earlier. That's a, a couple episodes. I think it's an episode before. But no, the, I was thinking because they spend a lot of time in the bath. The main girl definitely ends up with a harem at the end. I, <laughs> poor, uh, poor Salia, though. She's poor poor Salia. Yeah, poor Salia. Goodbye from the Hotel Mula Flaga. So anyway, next week we're watching... but you can never check back in. Anyway. <laughs> so anyway, next week we're watching Cross and Rondo of Angels and Dragons. Episode 5? <laughs> yes, and Lost. Ange Lost. Oh, Ange Lost. No, j- just Ange Lost. So we'll be next... Tyler, one quick thing. I, I wasn't going to do this, but now I want to. <laughs> Could you just read the episode description real quick of episode five? Oh, oh my. God. Oh, my. Um, I saw the first line and was like, Jeremy's going to want to do something with that. I was I'm, on it. I'm just making sure we're still recording. Um, oh, my. Oh, no. Okay. Um, oh, Jesus. Okay. Uh, getting through this first sentence is going to be the hardest part. Um, Ange is tied up naked and a half-naked boy is sleeping beside her. As they both wake up, Ange tries to scream while the boy is explaining her current situation, which ends up with Ange breaking free and the boy being beaten. That's probably fine. Yep. That's enough. <laughs> um, just, ah, uh, wow. Okay. Um, hmm. And that is not the creepiest scene involving a male character in that series. Yeah, you know, honestly, the rest of this doesn't look too bad. Um, just the Ange is tied up naked and a half-naked boy is sleeping beside her. All right, so we'll see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs) Sounds so happy, Tyler. Are you 
sure that this will work? From the paw prints and droppings, I can tell that wild animals use this path. <clears throat> I plan to set up a trap <clears throat> that dates back to medieval times. Oh. oh, wow. You're not bad at that. This has been a Last Podcast production, copyright 2019.